0: zunguzukaneni open how na do we how na kivanika
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Africa for Dummies. We know we've been going for a very long time, but thank you so much for keeping up with us and all the love and support. Um, we've been trying to work in the background, trying to get some things out there. So please watch out for the things that are going to be coming out soon. Um, also, as usual, please, um, if you want to give us some more feedback, make sure to... Um, give us some reviews, make sure you uh, give us uh, some stars on uh, whatever platform you're watching this on. Make sure to follow us on all our platforms. Just Africa for Dummies on everything. And uh, yeah, just hit that notification bell if you want to keep up with us. We've got a lot of things that we need to uh, definitely go into. We've done a lot of things that we've uh, certainly missed. Uh, and I'm now definitely. And today we are uh, tackling something that is uh, very, very important in my, uh, in my view. And we have a very special guest that I'm going to let um, Zenge introduce himself and apologize for all the, um, for holding us back as Africa for Dummies for a long time. And uh, he'll explain his part and introduce our guest today.
2: Yeah, of course, um, it's Zenge as you. I was going to say, as you know, but maybe as you remember, because we have been out for quite some time. (laughs) Um, So basically, today's podcast is going to be on a major election in Africa um, on Kenya. um, So people that don't know, Kenya is quite a massive economy on on the African continent. And we are joined by someone who knows this topic best, um, Sylvanas Wekesa, a Kenyan researcher with uh, King's College London. Uh, at the Africa Leadership Center, who's just uh, completed his PhD. Welcome to our show.
3: Thank you very much, and uh, I appreciate for you hosting me here. No, uh, Thank you. Thank you
1: so much for uh, taking the time and uh, joining us today. And uh, just to jump right in, um, I think uh, maybe not too many people are familiar with what goes on in Kenya, but why do you think we... Mia, for for example, I come from Zambia, right? Why do you think these uh, elections are important for, or do you think these elections have been important for people in other countries to even pay attention to? And what do you think, uh, and what separates these elections from the previous ones that have occurred? Because like, when you look at other countries, for example, like Uganda, you obviously know who the winner is. And it's like, does it really matter at the end of the day? So now it's like, does this one really matter as well?
3: Thank you, so Kenya finds itself in a very, a very unique position, especially within the region it operates from. For the longest time, Kenya had been classified as an oasis of peace within among countries that are always embroiled in turmoil. And about 2007 elections, which experienced some extreme violence, traditionally, Kenya has been very peaceful. And Kenya is important for a number of reasons. One, Kenya is an anchor state within the Horn and the Great Lakes region. In terms of peace processes in the region, Kenya has played an important role in all the states around it that have been engaged in war. Kenya midwife, the South Sudan peace process. Kenya continues to play a role in Somalia recently kenya just entered the democratic republic of congo by sending soldiers in the drc kenya has played an important role in multiple peace efforts within the region so the election in kenya becomes very important because everybody is watching who comes next and will that person continue with the peace processes that kenya has initiated or will there be a change so it becomes a very important country because everybody now not just within Africa, but even the whole the whole the whole the, the whole world, the US, the United Kingdom, China, everybody's looking at Kenya as an important partner and player in most of the geopolitical interests. And also not just forget that Kenya recently had an unpermanent seat at the United Nations Security Council. So pushed by all those factors, these elections becomes very important, not just in the region, not on the African continent, but generally in the whole global world politics. So what makes this election special is that it's a transitional election. The current president, Uhuru Kenyatta's two term have come to an end. So we are electing a new president.
1: Oh, so he's not going to be... No, he's not. He's not contesting.
3: contesting. So this is the third, actually, election where we are gonna change presidents. So, the first one was in 2002, where President Daniel Arab Moy, the late, had served for 24 years and he stepped down. Then, in 2013, President Mwai Kibaki, also the late, had served his two terms. And now, President Uhuru Kenyatta he has served his two terms. Also, this is the second election under the new constitution. Okay. Actually, the third. We, we, we promulgated a new constitution in 2010. So Uhuru Kenyatta has served his two terms under the new constitution. So this is the third election under the new constitution. So basically we can say the democracy has held Hmm. the fact that there haven't been much contestation around the whole issue. So the the, the election becomes very special in terms of will Kenya have a peaceful transition as it has been witnessed before or maybe Hmm. this one will be something different.
2: Yeah, uh, and it's, 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 uh, thanks for the rundown of the sort of the political um, and constitutional history of Kenya. Um, so you said this current president now uh, has reached the, the max of terms that he can run, which is two years. Uh, Uhuru Kenyatta um, shall be leaving uh, State House. I believe that's what you call it, yeah. right? It's not a presidential palace. No, some Fra- some not. Francophone <laughs> countries call it presidential palaces um so you'll be leaving the state house in a few days time the election is on the 9th of august uh and who exactly there's been you know who exactly is are the main candidates who are the people that we should watch and who perhaps are the ones that simply just stand out and what are the political ideologies i know you know in africa it's not all the time that people pay attention to political ideologies sometimes it could be the personality or it could be simply just what exactly those people are benefiting directly from those politicians so basically who are the main candidates and uh, what exactly are they standing for
3: so in this election it's it's also quite unique because the number of presidential candidates have reduced i think they with the, with the new constitution the law made it very strict and very stringent they put stringent measures on who qualifies to run for president so the number has been reducing every election. So in this election we have four presidential candidates. Wow. Yeah. So we have Raila Odinga who is running on Azimio la Umoja coalition. We have the current deputy president William Samoei Ruto who's running on a Kenya Kwanza coalition. We have George Wajakoya, who's running on a Roots Party and we have David Moure who's running on a Gano party. So all, those are the only four candidates. Now, in terms of ideology, Raila Odinga is campaigning on, just from the name of his coalition, on a unity platform. He's campaigning because he, his candidature was born out of a handshake or coming together between him and the current president. In 2017, the election was Heavily disputed, it went to the Supreme Court. The yeah. Supreme Court ratified the election. And Raila Odinga boycotted participating in the rerun of the election as ordered by the Supreme Court. Now he went further ahead and swore himself in.
1: Yeah, yeah, I remember that.
3: <laughs> there was a lot of division with that election. So Later on in 2018, President Kenyatta and President Raila approached. They shook hands publicly and they embarked on what they called building bridges. So to, to bring the country together. That so, was the handshake. That was the handshake. So basically Raila's ideology right now on the platform he's running on, is running on a unity platform, bringing the country together. His closest challenge at the current Deputy President, William Ruto, is running on a populist ideology of the haves and the have-nots. So he has christened it. This is
2: where the hustler narrative was. comes.
3: He has christened it as the hustler versus dynasty. And by that, because the current president is the son of a, the Kenya's first president. Yeah. yeah. Raila Odinga's father was Kenya's first vice president, independent Kenya. So... The two of them, according to the deputy president, they belong to the dynasty, yeah? William Ruto fashions himself as the son of a nobody. Hmm. His father wasn't one of the key politicians in the independent struggle. So that's why he, he, he brands himself as a hustler. So he's running on a hustler versus dynasty campaign where his ideology is the people first and his slogan is every job matters. So whatever you're doing, you have to be factored in, in the national conversation. George Wajakoya, on the other hand, he's he's a maverick. He's running on on legalizing the consumption of marijuana. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that message has resonated very well with the EU. <laughs> Wait, so
2: so so the. Uh, Wajakoya, what is he trying to do? Is
3: just recreational
2: marijuana? Medicinal no, marijuana? Like,
3: like he wants to make marijuana, not just recreational and medicinal, the whole marijuana will be legal under his government. Oh, I see.
2: That's, he, that's... Has,
3: he has very funny ideas, you know, like he, for instance, the issue of the debt with China. He mm. has the bizarre suggestion that he will boost snake farming. <laughs> this snake paid, farming? Yeah, repay the Chinese debt by giving them <laughs> snakes. <laughs> a, you he's know so, when there's
2: when there's been an establishment for a long time, you never know
3: <laughs>
2: These solutions but
3: uh, yeah, so resonate with someone. so he he has excited the best, he' has excited the masses. And then the fourth candidate is ethno-religious. he's a pastor, David Maure. he's a pastor. Uh, he's running a very religious ethno christian values, espoused as the values. that's the fourth candidate. so the the last two candidates were Jacoya and Maure As per the polls, they are not even polling close to 5%. So we can call Mm -hmm. them the French candidates. So the contest is between Raila Odinga, who is being backed by the current president. That's that's very interesting. You never really see that happen. Who has fallen out with his boss running on a different party.
1: Okay, so the falling out happened because. is there a reason for the? Because you never really see a former president from a different party, um, advocating or like supporting
3: opposition. So that's kind of weird. Yeah, we don't know what happened between the president <laughs> and the deputy. There are many conspiracy theories what caused the fallout, but uh, a lot has changed because in two thousand and thirteen. When
0: Kenyatta
2: got elected.
3: Yes. The current deputy president and the president belong to the same party. In 2017, they belong to the same party. So now, in this election, the ruling party, the Jubilee Party, has disintegrated. Mm. So the deputy president left the ruling party. He formed his own party and he's running. It's called the United Democratic Alliance. He's running on. The opposition, the Orange Democratic Movement, Led yeah. by Dinga, replaced the deputy president's wing after they bolted out of the ruling party and they formed a coalition wow. with the ruling party. Wow! So, the main opposition party formed a coalition with the ruling party, and then the ruling party became the opposition. So, <laughs> part of the ruling party became the opposition, <laughs> and the opposition began government.
2: Lots of chess moves going on in the last few years in Kenya, it seems. Eh?
3: Yeah, so what has changed is. President Kenyatta is supporting his fierce opponent in the past two elections. He has endorsed him while
1: yeah.
3: while he's campaigning against his own deputy. That's interesting. That's yeah.
1: very interesting. And uh, I, wanted, I mean, oh, you wanted to ask a question?
2: Yeah, I wanted yeah, to, to ask a question. Um, so, Uhuru Kenyatta, he, he's he's barred from going standing again yes so what interest does uru kenyatta have in supporting uh odinga and especially i mean i mean i I could imagine that it might make for very awkward cabinet meetings with his deputy president considering (laughs) like um you know they were were kind of like bros you know from i they they were inducted they were sorry they were charged by the icc and the case was dropped but they have been through quite a lot since the 2007 election and Raila Odinga was on the opposite side of that, um, you know, that, um, those incidences in 2007 and beyond. So, what exactly does Wul Kenyatta expect from Raila Odinga, uh, President Raila Odinga, considering him and even his family's dynasty have been on the opposite sides of, like, you know, the Kenyatta, you know, quote unquote dynasty?
3: In in my opinion, I mean, as everyone says, in politics there are no permanent enemies. Neither <laughs> <laughs> are they are permanent friend. Mm. Yeah, it's just uh, interest. And historically, the president's family, the Kenyatta family, have benefited from state contracts, state support to build a massive business empire like they they're the biggest land owners in kenya oh wow they're the biggest i mean you walk into a supermarket you own a you pick milk it belongs to the to the president's family really yes they own the biggest dairy company in east africa Wow. wow. Yeah. And
2: Kenyatta is one of the richest Kenyans yeah. himself, isn't
3: it? Yeah. So they've, they've invested in Uganda. They've invested. They've bought out Inyange dairies in Rwanda. They've, they've really expanded. If you fly Kenya Airways, the food you consume is from is a company. <laughs> wow. So they, in terms of the business tentacles, they are spread far and wide.
0: Right.
3: And Raila Odinga, he's seventy-eight years old now. The Raila Odinga right now is not the Raila Odinga of two thousand and seven, who was calling for the upstage of the status quo. Mm. The Raila Odinga we have right now he has is old. He's mellowed down, mellowed <laughs> down, and he represents a safe pair of hands to protect the interests of the Kenyatta family. Mm. Yeah. And the
2: the the thing is. Kenyatta, sorry Nathan, we'll go to the next question. The thing is the Kenyatta, Kenyatta, Uru Kenyatta himself is quite young. Like it's for a president, a retiring yeah. president. Yeah. He's 60 or something like He's that. 62. 62. Yeah. And you have someone who I mean, it's quite easy to claim that Raila Odinga will be used as a puppet. A 60 year old outgoing very charismatic president. 78 year old sort of Supposedly yeah. worn out, because exhausted.
3: The coalition they have formed, President Kenyatta is, is the chairman of that coalition. So he's not going anywhere. Wow. Yeah, He's not going anywhere. And personally, I don't think Uhuru Kenyatta reads history because there is a myriad examples on the African continent that the chosen successor always turns against
0: mm-hmm.
3: the supporter. In, uh, Zambia, he, yeah. in Zambia, <laughs> Monawasa went against Frederick Chiluba.
1: to Angola mm-hmm. as well.
3: In Angola, Lorenzo has gone against the, the, the Dos, Santos. Dos Santos. Santos. Yeah. So in Congo, Shiseke did try to wiggle himself out of the Kabila, the Kabila wing. So
0: yeah.
3: I just don't know if the pres- our current president reads history. Of course, Raila will not want to be labeled as a puppet. He will want to be his own person when he gets into power.
0: Yeah.
3: So he will definitely try and wiggle himself out of that arrangement. But in William Ruto, I think the fallout, the bitter fallout between the deputy president and the president has scared the, I think, scared the president in such a way that if this gentleman gets power, he might come.
1: Yeah, so I think you mentioned uh, in passing that uh, when you're as you're speaking i think you brought up a, a part that i remember uh, in kenya's history which was i think for me it was a moment when i stopped trusting these uh election institutions like the eu observers and things like that because like there's a way in which when you hear like eu observer AU, what you name it you kind of put trust in them But I think the Kenya, the the previous Kenyan election, where I think that was like clear for the whole world to see that either either they just don't care, like they just weren't really uh, paying attention. But you had a situation where, um, you know, the EU observer said that the election, there was no election malpractice, malpractice, but then the constitutional court uh, found that there was actual uh, malpractice. And... So the question is, are there any um, things that have been done in Kenya internally, because clearly we've seen that uh, international observers are not uh, as reliable, I guess, if I could use that term. Uh, are there things that Kenya has put in place to make sure that um, any malpractice is found or uh, to ensure that malpractice doesn't
3: occur? I mean. The Independent Electoral and Boundaries Commission, the body charged with managing and conducting the elections, has been caught up in a lot of challenges. <laughs> I think going into this election, the level of trust and confidence in the IEBC, I think is very low. Hmm. So there have been there have been some news for bad reasons. Yeah. So recently some Venezuelan uh, company called, I think, Smart, Smatic. It's a Venezuelan company that was to provide the technology for for the, this election.
1: Wait, so a Venezuelan the Venezuelan,
2: company? Hold the on. Venezuelan <laughs> company is going to help.
1: Wait, wait I'm sorry, above all countries, Venezuelan
3: company. And so, and then <laughs> some gentlemen were arrested at the airport. Mm. with stickers for the election oh no you know and those are the business well and of course the independent the IBC came out and said yeah those people we are contracted by the IBC to provide technology yeah. for the election but such issues and then there is still dispute over which over the manual and the electronic voter register
0: yeah. so
3: was yesterday the high court ruled that and ruled that the IBC should use the manual register as opposed to only using the electronic register. Electronic. That is three days to the election. Wow. And then the independent audit by the, by, done by the KPMG auditors found that there were 14 presiding officer, ghost presiding officers within. Wow. And there, were, there was 2 million votes. Wow! so how are, how
2: are how are the candidates um are they, have any candidates threatened not to recognize the election uh, if it doesn't go their way isn't it already too soon should, sure. be, should, <laughs> think, should, should yeah, people expect 2017 so, uh, right Rayla, of
3: the raiders coalition have been very heavy attacking the independent electoral boundary commission and its officers they've been criticizing and they have litigated they're the ones who went to court to compel them to use the manual register yeah now on Mm -hmm. the other hand William Ruto's Kenya Kwanzaa have been defending the IABC saying look we are confident in this election we should let the IABC do its work Mm -hmm. so because of the pressure of the international community Mm -hmm. everybody is saying they will accept the results only if with a condition the elections are free and fair but in my opinion, I think all these noises around IABC is basically to set up an opportunity for a petition once the election results are announced. Because mm-hmm. so you first doubt the credibility of the body, you cast aspersions on the character of, of the people running. You know, there have been yeah. lots of audio audio leaks of these political actors meeting the officials of the IABC. There've been allegations that the chairman of the IEBC was seen with so on. So, so they all, all these are geared towards casting the aspersions of the credibility of this body. And when the elections are resolved, are announced, they will dispute it. Mm.
2: Yes. Um, I think we can go to our uh, next question: the issue of ethnic baiting. Yeah, in 2007, that was the prime reason, or some of the uh reasons that the, the the election inflamed to such a level where i think i'm, I'm not sure of the figure something north of a thousand people yeah. uh, were killed in that election um which for our viewers um may not know was some of the reasons where um the guru kenyatta the outgoing president and the deputy president were put on trial for in the icc although it was acquitted now William Rucho uh, was speaking to the BBC recently um, and he said that basically Kenya has passed this ethnic politics. Um, there have been some concerns, but is, would you say that he's, he's telling the truth or uh, is it something to still be concerned about?
3: I think this election, it's, it's very unique because for once, there have been very little violence during the campaign period. Like you can actually point out where the violence has been. There haven't been much violence. Number two, it's true the ethnic rhetoric has torn down a great leap in terms of, for once the election debate is around issues. The high cost of living, the healthcare, the education and everything. So one thing, in my opinion, I have to give it to William Ruto, is this hustler narrative he came up with, it has totally changed the narrative of the Kenyan politics. It forced everyone to start discussing about issues. Yeah. Economy, yeah. The economy especially, the way the economy is performing, the infrastructure projects, the role of China, you know, and, and, and oh, yeah. the, the date and everything. So yeah. the in terms of ethnic rhetoric, it's not pronounced. Of course, if you go to the local seats, the governor seats, the member mm-hmm. of government and the senators, perhaps it's more heavily pronounced there. However, in terms of the coalition building, it's still ethnic driven. Yeah, in terms of how you build a broader coalition. So the Kikuyus, the Luos, the Kalenjin's, all of them, they st- the, the, the ethnic blocks still matter. But mm-hmm. only, that only comes in when you're mobilizing for people to vote. But in terms of addressing the issues the election has been largely been about issues and not the ethnic the ethnicity
0: mm.
2: then also another interesting thing is also the aside from perhaps a market reduction in ethnic politics is also we are seeing the female vice president the vice presidential candidate as well yeah.
1: i think that's
3: yeah, yeah there's, I a, there's a symbolic aspect of nominating the first woman running it of a major key in political uh, oh this is this is the first time yeah, a running man. A running man. Yeah, but historically, she ran for presidency in 2013. Oh, so okay. it's not something new. And we had a, a woman presidential candidate in 1997, that's charity Ngilu. So I think for me, yes, it's, it's a good step forward, but we forget that we have a big conundrum in terms of implementing a constitutional requirement of having two thirds majority not belonging to either gender. Mm-hmm. In the last parliament, the Supreme Court, the Chief Justice had recommended that Parliament be dissolved because it doesn't meet the constitutional requirement of the two thirds gender. Yeah. Well, so we still have that issue. The yeah. women's representation is still very low, not as where well the Constitution has, 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 has said it should be done. So even going to the election, despite having Martha Karua as the deputy running, as the running mate of Raila Otinga, the mm-hmm. issue of the two thirds gender. Remains unresolved. So, and none of the two sides, none of Raila Odinga or William Ruto, have said how they're going to address that issue. Mm. That so, it's a step for step. The bigger issue remains: how do you address the 2000 general, you know,
2: if you most people would um, sort of surf um, Kenyan politics, if you just surf Kenyan politics on YouTube or wherever, you see some videos of. Numerous helicopters flying into venues, um, flying into rallies um, and it looks extremely wealthy, and it looks like you have to have a, an enormous amount of money and you said they have restricted the amount of people that can now run for an election, and then now you see the amount of helicopters that these few amount of people have when they're you know crisscrossing the country. Is Kenya's election basically now for the you know the super wealthy uh, elite or is, is, is there room for, you know, grassroots type of politicians? Uh, I do not have the backing that, you know, these dynasties. And I mean, William, William Ruto, whilst he's not a member of the dynasty, he's a very wealthy man. Yes. So what, what, what is, is there space for people that don't have money to join African politics in, in, in general and also Kenyan politics because of how it looks just from, you know, layman's perspective?
3: No, the Kenyan, the Kenyan politics and the Kenyan electoral process is absolutely expensive. I think uh, uh, BBC did recently a study on how much it will cost for you to run for the various seats. Yeah. And I think they say that for you to run for something like the presidency, you will need to the high of 500,000 US dollars.
1: Five hundred thousand.
3: That's for pres. That's for presidency. That's for president, and that's that's on the lower side. Yeah. Wow. So it explains why our electoral contests are very vicious. It's a zero-sum game because the the benefit people need to recoup what they've spent. The investment, yeah. I think our parliamentarians are one of the highest paid in the world. You know,
1: in the world.
3: Yes. They're one of the Like, highest
1: not, not, of not just Africa, the whole world, well, yeah.
3: Like, this isn't a country
1: in the African continent, yeah. it doesn't make any sense.
3: So, like, the Salaries and Remuneration Commission, I think last week came up with a new structure for the salaries of the members of parliament, and it kind of deducted some of the allowances that they benefited. You know, they get because let me just give an example when a member of parliament is elected. You get a, a free car grant. Of course, four <laughs> four by four. You you get, of course, there's a healthcare, the medical bill, and right. then they give themselves a gratuity. So <laughs> after the, the end of this term, they're giving themselves a gratuity. So whether you you get re-elected, if you get re-elected, you still get the gratuity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the wow. Yeah. And this is a country where we have a sitting I mean the former vice, because there's the remuneration package for the former president, former vice president, former whatever. These are people who are earning pension for being former vice presidents, but they are still contesting wow. to run for president. So it's a very lucrative, it's a very lucrative uh, profession.
0: Yeah. And it just
3: means why even now the business the business community has to invest and support some of these candidates for their own benefits the corruption mm. the rent yeah, is very high so that's, corruption that's, is what drives all this
2: yeah that's a very good uh, segue into this is this is another this is a question that just popped up in my mind and there was a video that i saw of this you know the the radical candidate uh, wakoja wajakoya, uh, wajakoya sorry uh, and uh, he said something that was actually quite compelling he said um, something along the lines of you know if you are suspected of being corrupt in Japan, you are so ashamed that you commit suicide. If you are suspected of being corrupt in China, you you, you are in for the death sentence. If you are suspected of being corrupt in the UK, you are jailed. And then in Kenya, he yeah, said that you are elected to parliament.
3: Yeah, what so, with, with the with the thing. He said something he said in China people are, are hung. So he said under his government yeah. the people are gonna be hung. But all those choppers you see being used in campaigns, a a good percentage of that is fueled by corruption money. You know, all these all these politicians. Even if you look at the deputy president William Ruto, he claims he's a hustler. He comes from a humble Mm background, but he is an extremely wealthy person. Yeah, if you read the newspapers, there are plethora of stories about how he's acquired wealth here and there. Raila Odinga's Mm -hmm. family is extremely wealthy. I mean, and if you trust in any way, you know the way you look at, you read about Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, mm-hmm. the way they build their companies from scratch, and what have you. Right. These gentlemen, there is no, there is no <laughs> industry. <laughs> is that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but they are extremely wealthy. You know, so it's very it, it, Kenya. It's very difficult for a commoner to rise up to that position. Is Maybe it very
2: difficult for someone oh, to rise up without being corrupt?
3: You, it's very difficult. You need, to, you need to be able to have collected enough rent. Wow.
2: <laughs> so the system also forces you to be, even if yeah. you come in clean, by the time cool. you reach presidential candidate level.
3: If you try your cleanness, you, you, you'll find yourself out very quickly. Wow. You to conform. Hmm. So the, we have a law capping on election spending. But again, how do you implement that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we tried setting up, there's a new law, the political parties uh, funding, where the political parties are funded by the taxpayers. So it's, it's based on the proportion, how many members you get, and then you get the government funds you in, in, in that. Yeah, so perhaps it's still baby steps. Maybe if they, they, they strictly implement that law, we will be able, the country will be able to money, we will be able to tell how much people are spending in their campaigns and how much they're fundraising. What is your money and how many people are giving you? So the issue of fundraising is a very, it's a dicey issue. Nobody knows where the money is coming from. Uh, The
1: thing is, you've mentioned, I think, some things that are quite alarming, you know. Um, I think... Uh, As you said, you know, a lot of these guys are earning, I mean, I didn't even know that it was the highest paid MPs in the whole world. You know, when you look at Europe, for example, the UK, you look at MPs literally riding bicycles, you know, and stuff like that. But then, you know, this is, uh, this is, I don't want to say it's a poor country, but, you know, it has high rates of poverty. And yet, you know, you have politicians living like they're, I don't know, trust fund, (laughs) trust fund kids, you know. Um, so the question is,
3: for instance,
1: yeah.
3: if you just came and sold ideas, nobody would listen to you. Really? There's, a, there's, a, there's a, an activist in Kenya called Boniface Mwangi. He, he tried contesting for a member of parliament. Yeah. He ran on a platform of ideas and he tried even fundraising from people you know he was conducting a fundraiser telling people please support me fund me and people are telling him if you don't have money why are you contesting <laughs> well, <laughs> you know,
0: yeah why
1: what are you, a... you
3: this this game is for the big boys and the big women <laughs> <laughs> if you're poor why are you contesting for the seat? so it's hmm. been associated with that like it, it's a it's a culture that if you make it to the corporate world and you become a CEO and you make good salary, automatically people see you as a future politician. Is because mm. you, people associate. So with wealth, people yes.
2: expect the wealth, the, the, the power to come with the wealth Absolutely. eventually. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: So then the, wow. question, the question would be, um, do you see, realistically, from your personal perspective, do you see any change coming with the, the new president, Uh, after these elections. Do you see any um, significant change or the status quo is going to
3: remain the same? The status quo will remain. I mean, (laughs) our our political culture and based on our political history, the interests run so deep for you to overturn the whole system.
2: Is there any voter apathy in Kenya? Uh, What's the level of enthusiasm towards the actual election? Yeah,
3: I think just before I answer that one, if you look at the two candidates in terms of change, Mm
0: -hmm.
3: Raila Odinga, if you look at his ten-point agenda, he is, I think, agenda point ten speaks of administrative continuity. Yeah, that tells you there's no change that is going to happen. Basically,
0: Yeah.
3: yeah. William Ruto, on the other side, as much as he's running on a hustler dynasty, he knows very well he needs those dynasties to maintain calmness and stability so there's is, the there's is no radical the ones that run the firm basically yeah there's no radical change he's going to do to upset the system perhaps a little bit of pocket of reforms here and there but generally the, the status quo will remain in terms mm-hmm. of voter apathy the mobilization is always ethnic so the one region that everybody is looking at the mount kenya region the kikuyu community which is the tribe of the current President Uhuru Kenyatta, doesn't Which have is the, a largest,
2: candidate. the largest, uh, the largest in candidate. Kenya.
3: They don't have a candidate. Uh, so there are some skeptics who think them lacking a candidate will create some voter act because people will not have a reason to come out and vote.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And the other, the other pockets where people feel like their leader has not been included in this coalition or their leader is not playing a role in this coalition. so. Such loyalists, such loyal supporters and followers, will not have an incentive to come out and vote, because okay. their person is not. Going to they don't away. feel represented in the exactly. So, uh, yeah. The Number two, another issue that might contribute to voter apathy is the status of the economy and the cost of living has become extremely high, and people have become very disillusioned with politicians.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So people will be like why vote why why do i vote and nothing is going to change there's that
0: mm-hmm. yeah
3: people have resigned to fate you know even if I, vote, I don't vote there's nothing that will change so why Why waste in why go stand on the queue for two hours mm-hmm. vote for somebody who doesn't even who will not even change my state of living so there's a high chance that there will be high voter apathy. just the, simply because of the way these politicians have managed the country in the past
2: so there's not really much of a radical um, change that will be coming out of uh, this election so is there any uh form of you know is there any surprise that, you know how the u.s elections they have the thing called october surprise before november uh you know either an email gets leaked or some really lurid voice recording gets uh, leaked as we saw with the donald trump uh, election should any is there any surprises left in the next few days
0: or,
3: um, the all the opinion polls point to a Raila Odinga win, okay. And unlike and and just like in previous elections, the opinion polls have always portrayed Raila Odinga as a winning candidate until the elections happen, okay. So, for me, the biggest surprise in this election that we expect in this election is the turnout. That will be the biggest shocker, and it will leave people. Certain candidates really need the turnout to be high for them to stand a chance. So for me, the voter turnout is going to be the biggest surprise in the election. Will people turn out massively to vote? Or will there be voter apathy, which we've discussed in just a few minutes ago? So for me, that will be the biggest surprise. Number two, there's this concept of silent the silent voters, the shy voters who who are not speaking and who are not mm. saying? How, what is their number? How substantial are they? The yeah. Silent
2: minority, silent majority. Silent
3: minority, silent majority. So, and that ties again to the turnout. So, the biggest surprise in the election will be the turnout because that turnout will determine who becomes Kenya's next president.
0: Wow.
3: Historically, <clears throat> when Kenya got independence in 1963, and Jomo mm. Kenyatta became the first president.
0: And, Kenyatta's uh, father,
3: Yeah, the current president's father. And Jaramogi Odinga became the vice president, the father took the current uh, former prime minister, Raila Odinga. And then they fell out in 1969, a very bitter fallout that has come to define Kenya's political history. So the fallout between Jomo Kenyatta and Jaramogi is what brought about the, the rivalry between the Kikuyus and the Luos. Which has yeah. totally defined our politics.
2: Um, because the Odinga family is yes. uh, low. now
3: the politics have revolved around these families. It became so Odinga's choice to protest and join the opposition became a personal affair. So mm-hmm. the whole protest movement was built around an individual. So Odinga, Jaramogi Odinga, the Lord Jaramogi Odinga becomes the face of the opposition against oppression. Yeah, and then you have Kenyatta on the other hand, you have Daniel Moy on the other hand, representing the status quo, protecting their turf, enviously. So our politics, and because of these families, by virtue of being in positions of authority, they made money. And then once the colonial government was moving, they made money, they acquired massive pieces of land, you know. Mm-hmm. The all nationalization of some of the industries some of their families benefited and bought some of these in so they made money yeah. so they have perpetually continued to control the state affairs whether they're in opposition or whether they're in power mm-hmm. yeah so that's why it's very difficult to see much of a change it's difficult America. to separate these families from the state affairs And that's why William Rudolph's candidature is very problematic to them. He is an outsider.
1: I mean, it brings the question, what do you think it would take to see actual change in that case? Because everything seems very pessimistic. And I definitely understand that there are definitely people who benefit from the status quo and would like to keep it that way. So the question is, what do, do we as youth just, uh, I mean, we did, we actually did a, a podcast, I think a few, no, that was like last year, I think it was about, um, it was about gambling. And uh, as we we're doing the research, we discovered like there's like people in Kenya are now becoming like, especially young people in Kenya are becoming so indifferent about their future that they're willing to literally take money for studies and just literally blow it yeah. gambling. So as a young person, um, should should we have hope or should we is there something that we can do to change the status quo? Because the way it seems to be going is um, seems to be like a dynasty. It's either this family, this family, this family, or as you said, maybe a wealthy person. So it doesn't seem very uh, optimistic. Is there any light at the end of the tunnel? Unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> I've really been trying. I've really been trying. <laughs> the answer I
3: just started with, unfortunately. As, as I saying, we are stuck in between a rock and a hard place, to be honest. Yeah. Because the, the two stark choices, Raila Odinga and William Bruto, they're not different. They are not matched. that. Okay, Raila is running on a platform of change, a platform of anti-corruption crusade based on his history. But his short stint in government as a prime minister his office was dogged with so many corrupt- <laughs> so much corruption. No. Yeah. He, he has been hanging around with the same corrupt fellows that he's been <laughs> condemning. They're the ones funding his campaign, for instance. So I think Kenya, we are in a place where we choose the lesser evil
0: yeah.
3: between the two. I yes, see. Because between
2: between two evils. they're more
3: of the same. <laughs> so we choose a lesser evil. So I think the way elections are structured, I don't think we can find change. I don't think we will have the Zambia moment because Shiloma, I don't know if Zambians consider him as an outsider or as an inside.
1: That's pretty interesting. Is that what people are calling it think- now? A Zambia moment? I'm pretty proud. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. Pretty yeah. proud. It's I'm pretty
3: proud. Yeah, we hope because Shilama had also run like a couple of times. He couldn't win like 10 years. Six right? times. Yeah. And yeah, Railo Ding actually is questioning his election and saying if it happened in Zambia, it can also happen here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, oh, but wow. they
2: both—they actually both—Hichilema, uh, Zambia's president, and Raila Odinga, both perennial opposition Loser. figures. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, they were <opposition> perennial <laughs> of,
3: Yeah, Raila, this is his fifth time.
2: Yeah, uh, so perhaps that's where he thinks perhaps this time it could work. Yeah, he's thinking. Uh, but obviously, there's yeah. different. You know, Hichilema so was never in... formally in government. Yeah, so he, he was—he's much younger. Yes. he's he, 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 he positioned himself as the youth, the one the youths
3: like. So, when Raila Odinga,
2: it seems Ruto is
3: the And, and you see now, now even, you've raised a very uh, good point. You've, you've raised a very good point. People, there's nothing new Raila is bringing. People know he, you've been part of this mess before, you know? And that's why you have to give it to William Ruto for fashioning himself around the hustler thing, because he knew that has been Raila's constituency all along. The, mm-hmm. the the lesser people in the society, the people it's supposed
2: people, to be very popular in the urban uh, densely
3: populated that, areas. That used to be his vote base, mm-hmm. but now, him aligning with Kenyatta, the same status quo he's built his political career around, fighting. He simply went to bed with the enemy, and William Ruto capitalized on that and inherited. A huge part of his voting base, the lesser people in the society mm. so for Ryla, his his most loyal supporters, and perhaps his critics be like all along, you've just been one of them mm-hmm. you yeah. are, you only needed an opportunity,
2: So why should we trust you?
3: Why should we trust you? you know, so in my opinion, I don't think there'll be much change, I think, as they say. You might change the forest, but the monkeys are still the same. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's a very good one. Yeah, um, to, me,
2: my, okay. Go I on. don't know if you want to ask some question. I was
1: basically going to close, but you can ask. Yeah, I wanted
2: before. to ask a last one just to bring it yeah. into the continental um, you know, context since we started like that. Yeah, um, yeah. Both continental internationally. Uh, obviously, Kenya has been considered an ally of the United States historically. Uh, the Kenyatta and uh, Moi uh, presidency was very aligned to the West during those days. Um, and from what I gather, the Odinga, Jaramoji Odinga, the vice president, was uh, like somewhat more to the East, perhaps. Um, so will anything change in, in, in Kenya's foreign stature, especially when it comes to like, the Ukraine war? What position will they have when it comes to the Ukraine war? Uh, if, say, Ruto becomes president or Dinga becomes president, will they be more... Is anything going to change, you know, um, significantly in their international relations of Kenya when it comes to Congo, when it comes to Somalia? Gryla Odinga sent troops to Somalia, I think, when he was...
3: When he was a prime minister, he was prime minister. So In terms of foreign policy, the two individuals will have to contend with what President Kenyatta has set in motion.
2: Obviously, there's the China factor with the infrastructure. Yes,
3: uh, because the issue of the Chinese date, you know, they're talking over, no, nobody's talking of restructuring the date, but they're already tied. They, there's nothing they can do. They will have to find a way to deal with China. Again, the issue of DRC, already Kenya has sent troops to DRC. Uh, Kenya is a key player in the East African community. The new president will have to contend with that. On the issue of the US, Kenya remains an important ally in the fight against terrorism. So they will have to find a way of continuing to work with the the, the, the US. Kenya just signed a trade deal with the United Kingdom mm-hmm. in one of the few late events of President Kenyatta's regime. Yeah. I must so say, we, we,
2: we were discussing with Nathan actually about how uh, quite skillful Kenyatta's sort of tenure has oh, been yeah. in terms of.
3: On the, the foreign policy, to be honest, on the foreign policy front, he has done extremely well. Yeah, because his, for the country, if you, if you consider someone,
2: and Nathan was even like he might be a legend because if you consider someone who was wanted by the ICC, the, the first president ever, sitting president to have been wanted by the ICC think, to I have first been acquitted, time. yeah, and he then yeah. And then, and then, um, from from what I remember, I think before COVID, the, the growth rate was average of five percent per year, and then, despite having about like what three, four terrorist attacks, major terrorist attacks,
0: yeah.
2: From from my view, it looks it looks very admirable how he has skillfully managed to position Kenya as a reliable country, investment country, even on the you know the UN Security Council, as you
3: mentioned earlier. Absolutely, yeah. like, on the foreign mm-hmm. policy front, President yeah. Kenyatta has an extreme. You can even see in Ethiopia the Tigray crisis. Mm. The way the TPLF are telling the African Union, we yeah. don't want Obasanjo as the mediator, we want Uhuru Kenyatta to be the mediator. <laughs> so
2: you know, like, really that level of trust and- Yes, you know, so
3: like he, he, Kenyatta. His, his charisma, his personality, you know, he's always, people call him the hugging president, he's always happy <laughs> with his peers, you know, he's always- We honest. He's,
2: he, looks like a, he looks like a guy you'd oh, see yeah, at no, like a pub, with, or like, a a just chill dog.
3: He's, he's, he's always very cheerful when you see him dealing with his, his contemporaries and his peers on the continent. Yeah. So mm. I think that's one area where, and you can see even in the campaign, it has not come up, the issue of foreign policy has not come out as pronounced, because I think they are aware that what President Kenyatta has set in motion is going to go along for a while. You We're can't make some radical changes there. So for yeah. issue of foreign policy hasn't become been more pronounced in the election as much. And I think he's informed by that, that look, already this gentleman has set in motion some very good deals, some very good prospects. So whoever comes in, perhaps might just want to tweak here and there because of his several interests, but I don't foresee any major radical shift in that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in respect of time, <laughs> in respect of time, I'm going to just uh, end it there because I'm sure you have to um, yeah. do a few fast. other things Yeah. Um now nah, uh thank you so much for for letting us know how um things are going on in Kenya and um, everything that's happening there. I don't know if you have any last comments that you'd like to make or
3: No, everything. I appreciate oh, okay. I appreciate <laughs> yeah. it for the opportunity yeah yeah no thank you sorry for, sorry for shifting the time
1: no 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 no, no. it's mm.
3: absolutely not, not a problem at all
1: um mm. yeah thank you thank you very much i don't know Zenge, if you have any last uh
2: no i don't have any uh last words um so for those that are listening the kenyan election is on the 9th of august major general election keep an eye on that uh keep on, it's, it's a major election for the continent uh as you have heard from the episode uh are discussing its uh, ripple effects across africa and for those of you who don't want to vote please vote um i don't know whether you're for or against apathy but i personally am against apathy so go ahead and vote if you are a kenyan listening to this episode please.
1: Hit that notification bell. Thank you so much for joining Africa for Dummies. <laughs> Make sure to uh, hit the notification bell for any uh, updates on uh, the, the Kenyan election. We're going to try and leave a
2: five star five
1: rating star. Uh, on, uh, on, on whatever platform that you're using. Um, yeah, just follow us on everything at Africa for Dummies and uh, look out for the next episode.